to all the BC athletes out there, hello. Lizzie is everything you think she is in social settings. That's correct. <laughs> hello and welcome to the Gay Ergos podcast. I'm your resident twink, Lizzie Houston. Welcome back. And I'm Kira O'Sullivan, and I'm your resident tired grad student, and we are getting graded on today's podcast, so uh, put those academic pants on and get ready to talk about research. Today we have with us the one, the only, chillable red, Chloe Lewis is with us. She's kind of joining as a third (laughs) co-host today. I'm Chloe. I think above all, I just... Aside from also being a tired grad student, I just identify as difficult in every aspect of my life. I enjoy making it challenging for myself and others. As longtime friends of Chloe, we can confirm. Can confirm. <laughs> Snaps for you, Chloe. Welcome. Thank you. We're so, so very glad to have you with us, Chloe. Today, we are indeed, it wasn't a joke. I am actually getting graded on today's podcast because that, ladies and gentlemen, gaieties and ladies is what grad school is like. You get to make podcasts for final projects. So today's podcast, we're going to be talking a little bit about body image and exit from sport. So I was glad to loop Lizzie and Chloe in on this because I know they have a lot of really interesting insights on body image, on retirement, on athlete identity. And those are all things that we'll touch on a little bit today. Plus, tis the season. Graduation is right around the corner. So if you're about to be leaving your sport and this is a topic you don't feel like dealing with, hang on. (laughs) It's really important that you talk about these things or listen about them because exiting from sport can be really hard. That retirement process is tough. And the more we can talk about it, the better we can make it for everyone. So beyond the reasoning, you know, beyond the timeline with graduation around the corner, why are we talking about this? Well, I do want to warn that a couple of the things we may be talking about today might be a little bit difficult if you have a history or any type of, you know, discomfort around eating disorders and body image. And just a heads up, like if that's not something you want to engage with today, totally fine. We will love you regardless. And check us out on our next episode when we actually interview Chloe about her life. (laughs) Um, But today we will be talking a little bit about why it's so important. We discuss these things around body image and retirement from sport, elite female athletes, they really experience a huge decrease in body satisfaction between one and a half and five months after retirement, according to research. So that shift away from athletics, that loss of sport identity can be really difficult. And it's a really big transition time, which is considered an at-risk time for a lot of disordered eating and eating disorders to pop up. So, you know, it's really important to talk about things around mental health and around athlete wellness and just personal wellness. So we wanted to kind of voice our interests in that and kind of share our experiences along those lines. One of the reasons it's really hard for a lot of female athletes, especially so and women identifying athletes, is that there's kind of this shift in expectations of what our bodies can do. And as you shift out of full-time training, your body deteriorates in a way, you know, you don't train as hard, you don't train as long, and suddenly your body's not able to athletically perform the way you know, it once did. And that's a constant reminder of a loss of your identity as well as shifts in body expectations. You know, we fight really hard to fit into the athletic mold and to fall in love with our bodies as athletic bodies, because it's a little bit of a break from the feminine ideal. Suddenly you lose that athleticism and it's like, oh no, I was muscular. And now my body's shifting away from that. And, and am I supposed to be skinny? Am I supposed to fit societal norms? Okay. How am I going to do that? And 
it's it's a hard shift. I don't know, Lizzie or Chloe, if you had any type of problems around this, hesitations, thoughts, experiences. When I finished rowing in college, I knew that I was going to keep going. So I didn't ever experience huge changes like that, but I definitely struggled a bit with the transition from um, college rowing to club rowing and then to elite rowing. Each of those transitions was a struggle in itself. Um, and I think the most important thing is just accepting and trying to hang on for the ride as your relationship with the sport changes, because it's not going to look the same in every lifetime that you spend in the sport, right? So your, your high school rowing is going to look very different from college rowing, which is going to look very different from any rowing you do beyond college. And you have to just sort of lean into it and get comfortable with the fact that it's going to be different. And I think that that's really hard when it comes to transitioning to the higher level after college or maybe transitioning out of the sport in college because it plays such a big role in your life in college. It's your social life. It's your extracurricular activities. Um, sometimes it takes precedence over your academics. You are, you are traveling. It's a huge part, especially if you do it for four years. It's a really huge part of the college experience. And to, to leave a team like that of people that you're so close with, you kind of you kind of leave and you're, you're thrown out into the world and you're like, okay, what now? My, my schedule isn't as structured as it used to be. I don't have practice and then class and then more practice. Um, it's really challenging to sort of leave that regimented structure behind and sort of transition to a more self-driven model, I guess. And so I think I, I was so attached to that part of my life that I knew immediately that I was just going to go row at a club after college because I wasn't ready to stop rowing and I really wasn't ready to stop having a teammate, teammates in a, in a group of people who are all working towards the same thing. Yeah, I think I've definitely struggled with the post-college working out regimen and kind of staying up to date or up to whatever standards I think would be considered normal for a collegiate athlete and I think getting out of that mindset has been really hard even though it's been you know almost three years since I've been out of school you know it's hard to wrap your head around not looking the same as you did when you were training full-time and it's still something I always say I'm going to try and get back to but I think realistically for me I just I essentially work two full-time jobs and I don't think that's ever really going to happen until you know maybe only one of those is a thing and I obviously still enjoy rowing but I don't love it competitively I think right now I hope to feel the same joys to train as I once did even if it's super minimal I'm maybe rowing once a week right now which has been it's been hard. Yeah. I think that's, that's something that I I'm recently struggling with and I'm currently struggling with. Um, so I'm, I'm happy that this conversation's being had, I think just in general by anybody, but this, um, this is a really important topic. I mean, we have seniors now that are, have maybe taken a fifth year or are in like a sixth year because of the, the pandemic and, you know, are coming to terms with the fact that they don't, you know, they won't have the structure that they've had for even longer than, than we have. I did, like, I did take five years, but you know, I wasn't really rowing my freshman year. So I only had the full four. So I can't imagine having, you know, a full five or even six years to potentially, um, you know, come back from or continue to find some way to gain fitness. And I think it's, it's, it's about probably finding something that is new and keeps that competitive edge going. But for me, I think, what helps my competitive edge is 
coaching and getting to, to be that side of the competition rather than doing it myself. I get to help others and, you know, my, my girls grow and continue to progress in the sport through their time in college. But yeah, I think just to go continue that trend of it's hard. It's really hard post-college to find the motivation to work out when you're tired. And if you don't have to get up early other than to work out, like, why would you do that? Things like that. So yeah, I'm excited to hear what you have to say. Yeah. And I'm glad you guys kind of both touched a little bit on basically the pandemic. So Georgina Buckley has done a lot of really cool research around retired athletes and the intersection of food and body and separately disordered eating and body image in former athletes around COVID, which is obviously pretty fresh research considering, you know, we're still kind of in this, but she found that former female athletes are actually the most susceptible group to developing disordered eating and difficult relationships with body image. I think it has a lot to do with, um, kind of that sudden stop and that very difficult exit from the sport. I remember reading as well that it takes athletes three times as long to get over any type of forced exit from sport than it would anyone else who is naturally quote unquote retiring, I guess, in an expected timeline. So that sudden just cut off, you know, for anyone out there that was a 2020 grad and lost your spring season, you know, that, you know, the pain, I mean, we were all graduated before that, but my partner graduated in 2020 and it's been a really long road for her to even get back to, you know, comfortably moving and feeling good about going and working out. So these transition periods are really difficult times of athletes' lives and leaving sport and exiting and leaving behind that identity. You know, I think Chloe, you did a good job of touching on it. It doesn't necessarily need to be a leaving behind, you know, it can be an evolution, transformative, you know, there are different ways to stay involved in sport beyond just the way it is in college. And, you know, there are club teams, there's elite rowing, even in others, there are other sports like Lizzie, you even brought up, there are other ways to find competitive outlets in coaching and finding ways to help that identity shift a little bit are really good ways to kind of stay flexible in it and not feel that sudden loss. And the research points to that, you know, I read a really good article specifically about the repercussions of transition out of elite sport on body image. And it basically said that, you know, over time you become very aware of your deterioration of your athleticism. So that's, if you just stop, if you just stop everything. And I think, you know, there are ways that we can kind of ease that blow uh, talking about club rowing. And I know both of you, you guys met at New York, New York athletic club, right? No, you knew each other well before that. Never mind. <laughs> Before that, but also at like a rowing club that does have masters and a handful of young masters. So mm-hmm. similar enough vibe. It's a it's a an area or a arena for 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 club rowing and for participation in the sport after college. Mm-hmm. The uh, the riding horses and rowing pipeline should be a podcast. The horse girl, the rowing pipeline. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Exactly. That's not a pipeline I knew of. Oh my God. (laughs) There it, I never really rode horses. I was just kind of my mom's like shadow running around the barn. Cause I, you know, was like seven, eight years old and couldn't really be left alone while she worked. Um, so that's how Chloe and I met was, uh, God, I think I was what 
eight or nine and you were 11. like 11 yeah no, oh, I, I think like you were like 11 yeah okay maybe yeah around it's, then. it's, it's been, been a long time. time it's been a long time too long it has been blessed with each other <laughs> <laughs> it's the uh chloe you explained it very well earlier as the tree and the ivy it's a symbiotic relationship neither of us are blessed i would say uh but we are dependent heavily codependent thanks um, for your laundry girl <laughs> yeah i got you <laughs> and the and they were roommates although you're not your neighbors oh we're not chloe has her own apartment <laughs> i live alone precisely for this reason but she has keys so i do break in and ice her with our friend stuff and that's on occasion on i have female subject. relationships <laughs> <laughs> for the record we're not dating for anybody who wants to know <laughs> stop asking stop asking i love chloe but she ain't my type oh my god <laughs> We have um, to have some fun on this. I am curious about your guys' thoughts about kind of this. It's, it's called the female athlete paradox, where we kind of exist in a space where we have the athletic body ideal and the societal body ideal. And those can be things that don't align very well. You know, I know in my experience as an athlete, I fell in love with getting to look and feel strong. And I think with retrospect now that I hate uh, the gender binary, I think it's a little easier, dare I say, for people who are a little, you know, gender questioning, gender fluid, if you will, that I don't feel like I have to fit the feminine ideal that society kind of pushes on us. But for a lot of female athletes, this is kind of a really difficult part of the transition away from sport. And it's interesting. It's, it's different across sports in that a sport like that's a power specific muscle building sport. Um, these athletes actually have an easier time transitioning out of sport because they kind of can shed that athletic ideal body and a little bit easier and kind of start quote unquote, you know, losing the muscle, leaning out if you will, and kind of fitting a little easier into that societal body ideal, which we let's for the record, thinness is no better than any other body type. There's nothing wrong with being naturally thin, but I do want to say everybody is a body worth loving. Um, but we do have to kind of talk about the fact that the societal body ideal is this skinny girl where it's, it feels impossible to hit that. And when you go from a work sport like rowing, where you're doing a heavy cardio all the time and your body kind of leans out a little bit naturally, the longer you do it. And then you suddenly stop doing that amount of volume. You stop having those energy needs, it's really hard to figure out how to exist and how to fight that urge to fit the societal body ideal when your athletic body kind of lined up with it. Yeah. Uh, on that, I will say that the, the, the difference between transitioning out of a sport where you are probably bigger and more muscular versus transitioning out of a sport like rowing or maybe running or um, swimming or something where it's very heavily, heavily cardio-based, um, is that thinness is a currency and, you know, fitting into the societal ideal of thinness, get, it, it's, it's a privilege. It gets you a lot of things that you might not realize that you get. Um, but when you, when you transition out of a, of a power-based sport, like powerlifting or 
um, shot put or, or, you know, a sport where the girls are, they're big, big girls, they're big and they're strong. And, you know, maybe they are totally shredded. Maybe they have a little bit more body fat. Doesn't really matter. They're big. Uh, when they transition out of it and they stop, they tend to get leaner and smaller and thinner. And then they are praised for it because to be thin in our society is to be in a position of privilege. When you're an endurance athlete and you transition out of, out of being an endurance athlete, um, you might gain weight you'll probably lose muscle. You might lose weight, but typically you're going to gain weight because you're not doing, you know, two to four hours of cardio cardiovascular training every day and gaining weight is the opposite of, of privilege, um, existing in, in, in a body that is bigger than what you used to look like. Um, it comes with a lot of like stigmatized and loaded, feelings and commentary. Um, so they're two different kinds of changes. I think that, that female athlete bodies go through and, and there's just, is an absolutely unique challenge to transitioning out of an endurance sport. Yeah. I think, um, I saw it myself, I guess, when I stopped rowing, I, well, I started college essentially as a lightweight. I, and then as I progressed through, I probably put on about I don't know, between 20 and 30 pounds, honestly, I probably graduated up close to 160. And then as I stopped rowing, I started to thin out and I'm probably sitting at lightweight right now, but that's also because I don't really have the chance to work out. My eating is sporadic. Um, and that's, it's not a conscious thing that happens for me. It's just because I'm so go, 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 go. Um, that it, it's, and I'm a forgetful human being in general. So just the forgetfulness of, oh shit, it's, it's, you know, three o'clock and I have, I've only eaten like a bagel or something today. And I like, I think that's, yeah, that's something that I struggle with and trying to, to change my habits a little bit more by like cooking dinner and then, you know, making sure to eat that for lunch the next day. I like live by my GCAL, you know, when things are in it, they tend to usually get done. Um, so I've had to start scheduling myself a workout, um, and like making sure that I go do that and promising myself, okay, like if I didn't eat X amount today, you're not allowed to work out. Um, and you have to have a full meal. So kind of setting these boundaries for myself has been a good reminder that, um, it's okay to make these, you know, as these changes are happening to my body, as I progress to becoming an adult, I mean, I am an adult, but like, as you know, I go further through life, it's just not necessarily making compromises, but understanding how to keep your body as healthy as you possibly can. I mean, I make sure that I drink water. I do, you know, even if I haven't had a full meal, like I do carry snacks on me to just make sure that I'm getting calories in my body because I know that's important. And I, I can't preach to my athletes, something that I don't do myself. Um, so that's important to me just to, to stick to something and to be that mentor and to be, you know, seen doing the right stuff and the stuff that I tell them all the time. I mean, even over the weekend, like we had a little bit of sicknesses and I was like, you can't do this until you've had water or you've had a Pedialyte. Like I want to make sure that you're okay. And, um, I do the same thing for myself. So I think important for them to, to see me doing that and to see others around me doing that. But yeah, the, the fluctuation of, of weight has been, has been definitely tough on me, but trying to, again, set those, set that time aside for me to lift. I mean, I know the muscle mass comes off and now, yes, I am a twig. <laughs> like it's, it's hard and it's, um, opposite ends of the spectrum for some people, but it, 
doesn't mean, you know, I, I don't struggle with that mentally. And, um, I definitely did see my career almost stop a couple of times because of my back in college. And, um, I can't imagine what other athletes go through when their career just stops because of an injury or or something. So, um, yeah, that definitely, I'm very grateful that that didn't happen to me, but it still, it hinders me now, um, Mm. back injury wise. Like if, if I'm in a four or something or a really big headwind and like the next day or the next couple of days are just brutal, you know, the nerve pain comes back and then it's like, all right, well, got to deal with this again. So, um, yeah, but coaches, they're just like you. (laughs) (laughs) Tragically. Um, (laughs) tragically, tragically, we've literally been through it. So listen to us (laughs) athletes. If you have back pain, get on top of it now. (laughs) Correct. Absolutely. Um, But I'm, thanks for sharing you guys that it's actually kind of funny. Like I was Lizzie, I'm like the opposite end of the spectrum for you. Like I got into college and I, I leaned out, I slimmed way down. My senior year, I was probably the lightest I've been in my life. And that kind of leaving that felt graduating from college felt so terrifying. And that loss of athlete identity felt so scary that I was just like, no, I'm going to keep training. And I love training. So elite sport, here we are. And then it became, well, you're short, so you should be a lightweight. So then it became the game of cutting weight and losing the weight. And I I like to joke that the pandemic, you know, you can't be grateful for it because it was awful, but it hit at a perfect time for me because it kind of stopped any opportunity I had for going down a really pretty awful path of shedding that weight in some pretty not so great ways. And that having the pandemic hit and having to exit sport at that moment and gain back a lot of weight has been like close to impossible to deal with. But I think you're right in saying like, you know, we've got athletes and we have people who look up to us in ways that we haven't really experienced before. And it's a really good reminder of, we have to be taking care of ourselves. We can't help take care of them if we don't take care of ourselves. And I love that they get to see me training and I love to train still. And I love to work out as much as I can, but I also have that rule of like, Oh, you didn't eat enough meals today. You simply can't work out. And I think, you know, I'm not as, I I don't think it's quite as forgetful (laughs) of me. It's more so like I did a lot of damage to my body's ability to say I'm hungry. Um, and my metabolism is pretty, awful and now and I'm doing work now to kind of build it back but having those hunger cues be difficult to to lean on and getting you know the end of the day and being like oh my god I I just did I forgot to eat all day because I never felt hungry and I didn't work out today because I stood up and got dizzy immediately and a lot of that has to do with an ugly exit quote unquote from sport and I like to I'm similar to you Lizzie being like I'm never really you know (laughs) you're always doing just enough that if you wanted to jump back in we could you know and like we can survive a 2k like one or two and probably be fine yeah yeah like we're we're still fit and I think that's a really big part of a lot of what the research is saying is finding ways to shift that athlete identity I still tell people I'm an athlete I still tell them identify as that I I train I create a training calendar for myself I don't race right now but I want to, I have a lot of big athletic goals of, you know, marathons and ultra marathons and multi-day races. And those are all things that can come with time. But I know right now 
in kind of trying to manage the damage from an, a difficult exit from sport. I just know that's not the place for my body to be in right now. And I wish I had these conversations. I, I wish my coaches had grabbed me and said, are you ready for this? Are you, are you ready for this shift? Are you taking care of yourself? Do you understand the nutritional needs are going to change, you know, and kind of pointing back to the research, that's what it all says is the best, you know, way to handle this is talking to our athletes about this. And we, Lizzie, you're, you and I are coaches and Chloe, I think you coach whenever you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like we are in a position of power and privilege and experience that we can say, Hey, seniors, it's coming. Are you ready? Like I have had three one-on-one meetings so far with seniors on our teams, just saying, what are your plans? You know, like, what are you thinking? And, and, you know, you make plans and the universe is going to laugh, but what are your exit double plans? What are, you know, do you understand that these things are going to come? Do you understand that these body changes will happen and, you know, connecting them to outside resources, which is something that I, I mentioned Georgie, uh, Georgina Buckley before, and a lot of their research and, Outside resources are amazing. You know, connecting athletes to on-campus nutritionists and dietitians, psychologists, helping them set up those kind of nets to catch them when the fall comes, because it's going to come. And it doesn't come as hard for everyone, you know. Having, I think it's actually, and we can all speak to this a little bit, but I think the, the Division three level does a little bit better of a job of allowing athletes to be their sport and, you know, they, they have room to develop identities outside of just sport. They don't just get stuck in this kind of like identity foreclosure of they are only athletes. And that is the only thing they have time to do. You know, there are outside clubs and organizations that a lot of our athletes are connected to, which I think is going to help a lot. You know, they have all these other communities to tap into. And when I was an an athlete, the only thing I did was sport and all of my other (laughs) communities were sport related. It was SAC. It was a student athlete safe space group. It was, you know, being a tutor in the athlete academic space. It was all of those just athletic based things. So I think if I hadn't, you know, foreclosed so heavily on just being an athlete, maybe that transition wouldn't have hit as hard and maybe I wouldn't be here. However, many years later, still managing the damage of it. So I would love to hear about your guys' experience. Do you think that there's a difference between the divisions there? Do you think, what do you think about all of that? I mean, I can't speak to the um, experience of anyone at the D1 level. Um, I don't know how D1 coaches help transition their athletes out and, you know, transition them to a new phase of their life. Uh, I will say that uh, there wasn't really anything to prepare us for the end, really, in in the D3 level, at least where I rode, um, I don't really remember any conversation between myself and my coaches of like, okay, so, you know, last couple of races coming up and then you're going to graduate and stuff's going to be different. I don't know if seniors individually had conversations with their coaches. I didn't. I honestly didn't think to, because for me, I, I, I knew I wasn't done. I knew I was going to go keep doing. So maybe they thought they didn't have to talk to me, but I think it would have been really nice if the coaches sat the senior class down, you know, either the men and the women together or just the women's coaches sitting down with the, all the women seniors on the team and being like, okay, so, you know, we do this every year. You got a senior class, you're leaving and now it's your turn. 
Uh, and, and this is what life is like on the other side. This is what life is like as an alumni and, you know, kind of like talking them through it on like what they should expect, but also making it clear that it doesn't have to be the end for them. And if they want to continue doing the sport, like they should, they should be able to, and maybe providing them resources of, of where you can find rowing clubs in the U S I know a lot of my teammates from college, like would have loved to continue rowing, but they moved back home and there was no access to rowing there, or they moved to a city like, you know, Baltimore, and they don't know that there's a rowing scene there. Um, in Philly and Boston, it's a little bit like if you're moving to one of those cities, it's pretty clear that the, there are more opportunities, but opportunities for rowing are everywhere you are all around. Like you just have to look for them. And so if, if my coaches had come to all of us and said, this is what we know about. If you want to keep rowing, these are some great clubs to try. Um, I think that would have been really great, but honestly, just any conversation being had um, about the transition out and the transition of things changing when you leave the college rowing level. I think that'd be, I think that's super important. And, and, and I hope maybe that college coaches can, can start doing that uh, because I, for me, like I, like I said, I kept rowing, but I know a lot of my old teammates felt really lost. And so anything to kind of help with that would be, would be beneficial. Yeah. Um, I also thought I wanted to train when I got out of school uh, and I went through a summer of still doing like sweeps and, you know, transitioning, obviously moving to a new city, finding jobs, things like that was, was tough. So, you know, trying to kind of fit that in, but the, the intention was there, but once I, once I kind of came around to the fall, um, I kind of knew I wasn't cut out for it. And like, I had my success is in, enough I guess through college and through summer um, I loved training and I love the community especially up here in Boston is is wonderful but I don't think I have the patience to do what it takes to be decent in a single and nor do I probably think I have that talent and it's not that I like succumb to some like crazy reality or you know realization it was just like realistically I just don't want to <laughs> like and that's just not that I don't have that drive that's that's not really the type of person I am I think I found my joy for the sport on the other end of teaching women and, and being there for others um that's that's kind of where my training continues I guess and now I get to learn and grow and you know do that but there I think because I had that same kind of goal as you, Chloe, I didn't like, I talked to my coaches a little bit and I was like, well, I'm probably moving to Boston. So I was kind of talking to people here. Um, I didn't necessarily, I guess, need that type of conversation and just knowing the squad that we had at the time too, at, you know, where I went to school, it was like probably not really needed, but I guess as far as for rowing, but for kind of that you know, how are you going to stay fit? What do you like to do? What are other things? Like that would be, that would have probably been great just in general. We would always have like end of the year, like this is what you should do with your finances. And like the, the, you know, that was your senior year kind of thing. But then throughout, you know, college, there was a new different presentation every single year um, that was like, what's the next step? And like, this was like how to set a mortgage and like pay off your loans and like which it's a whole other topic in and of itself. And it was like, well, if you pay more now, you'll pay less later, but it doesn't really start with the, what if you come from nothing <laughs> and, mm. um, you know, need to start a little bit lower, things like that. But as far as working out, I, I agree. And I think this is probably something that I'll bring up with my, my head coach too, is like, how can we help these seniors who have been 
in school for four or five years with, with the pandemic and they've really not had anything normal, you know, how can we give them some kind of opportunity to talk to us about, about this? Like what, you know, if they do want us to keep rowing, you know, where are they going to be? Is there going to be something for them? Um, I think that's a great thing to start for coaches. Um, and I will definitely pull some of my senior athletes aside and, you know, see what they're thinking as far as that. I mean, realistically out of a majority of programs, maybe one person every couple of years will want to continue training. But I feel like for a lot of people, it's kind of, I'm a college athlete and I don't want to keep going anymore. I've had fun. It's, it was hard, but now I want to be an adult. I want to make money. And, you know, a couple of years, I want to have a family, things like that, but. cannot relate. <laughs> <laughs> you're one well, going. Just kept yeah, going. You're, and you're special, right? Like everyone's like, you can stop now it's cool. You can stop. Right. And that's why we all know each other because the world post-college is so small. Um, Exactly. And I will, I will put a plug in for continuing to row after college. If you have the, the drive to, and and you want to, and you're interested, I, I think it's absolutely worth it. It's a great way to make friends. I've heard it's pretty hard to make friends after you graduate college. Can't relate because I kept rowing and my friend, my circle of friends just has continued to expand every single year. So, you know, if you have the drive to keep all going, rowers. they're almost entirely all rowers and that's <laughs> fine with me. <laughs> yeah. So I think if anyone, you know, gets anything from this, it's that your path is going to be what it is. And there are ways you can prepare now, you know, to, to kind of soften the blow or, find new ways of loving this sport and finding new ways of loving moving your body and in whatever way it is that you want, you know, whether it's training like Chloe, whether it's coaching like Lizzie and I, or training on the side, the way we kind of do, you know, you've got a, an arsenal of tools at your disposal that you can use to, to find ways to feel comfortable and understand that your body is your home and treat it as such. And I also kind of put this out there as a challenge to coaches, you know, talk to your senior athletes, talk to your alumni, check in on the kids who, who graduated in 2020 and lost that season. So brutally reach out, see how they're doing. Just, just check in. They're, they're part of your family at one point. We'll always be part of the families that we rode with. So that's my challenge out there to the coaches of the world and the other elite rowing athletes who all know each other, but Thank you so very much, Lizzie and Chloe, for bearing with me through this final oh, project. Absolutely. And Happy to thanks, help. Yeah, thanks to anyone who listened. And, you know, I'll let you all know next time if I got an A or not. Yeah, we need to know Thank the grade. You. Thank you again. Yeah, you better get an A. Good to have you back. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave the threat in right. there for my professor to find. Perfect. Listen, like, subscribe. <laughs> Rate us That's five it. stars on iTunes. Yeah, rate us five stars because we need to put that one star back to whoever gave us that one star. Fuck off. All right, we gotta go. It's it's time to go. All You're right. done. Time to, time to blast. <laughs> Bye, off. kids. See you Thanks, next time. Guys. Um, wow, we weren't even funny. Rip. That's okay. We have next week. Yeah, don't That's worry. True. But we were just oh. so darn academic. <laughs> <laughs>